0: Welcome to A Thousand Wise. I'm Ningyan. When a nation calls themselves the descendants of the dragon, it makes you wonder, right? Why do they want to be associated with these large, terrifying fire-breathers that can take to the sky? The thing is, that's the popular image of the legendary creature in Western culture because it's how they're depicted in fantasy literature like The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien, The Harry Potter series by J.K. Rowling, and Son of Ice and Fire by George R.R. Martin. These dragons are monsters that at best are to be tamed, if not overcome and killed by heroes or saints. They're quite unlike their Chinese counterparts. A problem arose when it came time to translate the word for dragon, long, into English. Some say it was Western missionaries in the Qing dynasty who translated the word long into dragon, ignoring the differences between the dragons in the imaginations of the East and the West. To understand why Chinese people claim to be the descendants of the dragon, yes, some people say that, and there's a song saying we are the descendants of the dragon, we first need to explain what kind of creature we're talking about. For starters, the Chinese dragon isn't a destructive animal, it's not something to be afraid of. Rather, it's kind and noble. It provided the spiritual power from the heavens that the earliest residents in China wished for so that they could be protected from the harm caused by natural disasters and wild animals. Chinese ancestors considered the dragon, called Long, as sacred. Such dragons had the power to command the wind and the rain and to ride on the mists and clouds. Farmers built Dragon King temples where they made offerings to the dragons to ensure a good harvest. Dragons and their associations with rain are the source of the Chinese customs of dragon dancing and dragon boat racing. They believed that when there was a drought, it was because the dragons were sleeping underground or in ponds. When the spring rains arrived, it was thought that the dragons had woken up and made it rain. There was also the belief that dragons could divert floodwaters away from towns. But are dragons real? And where did the notion of the Chinese dragon first come from?
1: The ancestors of the Chinese people needed a supernatural force to believe in and empower them through their struggles of survival. They were inspired by creatures such as the birds that could fly, the fish that could swim, and the tigers and lions with their lethally sharp teeth. These animals all had powers far in advance of a humble human being different tribes gradually started trying to establish a relationship with these animals. In doing so, they came up with stories that sought to explain natural phenomenon. They went along the lines of, our tribe had an ancestor that ate the egg of a certain bird and then gave birth to a child who later helped to grow the whole tribe. Through stories like these, different animals became the earliest totems of the oldest tribes of Chinese people. As the tribes went through periods of war and peace, they merged and bigger tribes were formed. New totems appeared too, often in the form of combinations of totems taken from the assimilated tribes. Over time, this process contributed to the creation of a single unified creature, the Chinese dragon, with the head of a bull, the horns of a deer, the eyes of a tortoise, the scales and feelers of a carp, the talons of an eagle, and the feet of a tiger. This fantastic creature was given the name Long.
0: Legend has it that the legendary Yellow Emperor Huang Di used a snake for his coat of arms. Every time he conquered another tribe, he incorporated his defeated enemy's emblem into his own, which again may explain why the dragon appears to share the features of various animals. At the end of his reign, Huangdi was said to have been immortalised into a dragon that resembled his emblem and ascended to heaven. Since the Chinese consider Huangdi as the ancestor of the whole nation, we sometimes refer to ourselves as the descendants of the dragon. This legend also contributed to the use of the Chinese dragon as a symbol of imperial power. The dragon, especially yellow or golden dragons with five claws on each foot, was a symbol for the emperor in many Chinese dynasties. And the imperial throne was called the Dragon Throne. The emperor was the only person permitted to have the image of a dragon on his house, clothing or personal articles. This is why dragons are featured in the carvings on the steps of imperial palaces and tombs, such as the Forbidden City in Beijing. So there you go. Yes, Chinese people love dragons and the dragons we love are nothing like the terrifying fire-breathing Western counterparts. And Chinese dragons don't burn cities down. Instead, they have many and varied powers in Chinese folklore and they use their powers to protect people from harm. And then, they were a totem of ancient tribes, and Chinese people consider this legendary yellow emperor of China, Huangdi, as their ancestor, and he is said to have been immortalized into a dragon that ascended to heaven. And that's why Chinese people call themselves the descendants of the dragon. But just so you know, the dragon is a big part of our culture, and we are proud of it, but we don't say it all the time that we are the descendants of the dragon. That would sound really weird, right? But hopefully if you see a Chinese dragon or hear a Chinese song about it, you'll be someone in the know now. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Thousand Wise. I'm Ningyan. See you next time.